Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Venture Church Podcast. Venture is a life-giving church located in Bluffton, South Carolina, led by Pastor Sean Olson. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Now, let's dive into the word with Pastor Sean and his message for this week. Man, welcome to Venture. We're glad you're here. My name is Sean Olson. I get the incredible honor of being the pastor here at Venture. Wasn't it great to worship? Come on. Our team, I love our worship team. I was telling our our dream team this morning, uh, we do a a service early for our team, and I was like, mate, you you just got to watch the drummer. The drummer's my favorite person to watch anywhere. I mean, Chris is back there. I have an inner drummer in me. They won't let me have an external drummer, so it just stays inside. Uh, Man, we started a new series last week on miracles. And last week we talked about miracles of healing, and I believe very much that God has the power, the authority, and still does healing miracles today. We see them all over the Old and New Testament, but then there's these moments where we don't get what we want, and how do we manage that? Uh, if you need a healing miracle, if you, you need that, I, it gets one of our prayer team to pray over you, to pray with you, but also you can watch that or listen to that podcast on our website. This morning, I'm going to jump into protection miracles. Now, I have an old southern church-going mama. Any southern church-going mamas in the house? Come on, mamas, go ahead. Yeah, there's like three of you. The others are trying to be quiet because you know Monday through Saturday you ain't quiet, all right? My mama prayed the old church-going prayer over me. You know what prayer that was? Give them a hedge of protection, Lord, a hedge of protection. Mm. I'm telling you, that prayer must have saved my life many a day. You know, I mean, she prayed the hedge of protection over me. Or maybe you're like me as you've gotten a little bit older and you start looking back going, how am I still alive? Come on. Now, I know there's some fellas in the room. You look back over your life, you go, how? How am I living? You start thinking about some of the stuff you did in your teens and 20s and you're, what? How? How is there a heart beating right now? I'm not sure. Uh, If you don't have those moments, your mama's prayer of protection worked real good. All right? That hedge was strong. My hedge had some loopholes, and I got through it every now and again. Uh, But, man, like, for instance, I decided after we got done with our, our ministry schooling, I needed a motorcycle. Problem is, Sean did not grow up riding a motorcycle. So I call Angela and I say, babe, and you got to know, I've got the most unbelievably supportive wife in the world. Sometimes it's to a fault. These are one of those moments she said, Sean, this is dumb. But she didn't. She's like, yes, you should do this. I, Honey, I think I need a motorcycle. And she's like, well, that sounds great. So she comes down to the dealership. I was like, look at this one, honey. It's yellow and fast. Seriously, this is how it happened. This is not a story. This is true, real life. Right? I'm like, it's yellow. And of course, when you buy your first motorcycle, I am also an all or nothing kind of guy. There's no half steps. There's no reason to start off easy. If you're going to do it, just do it. You know what I'm saying? Nike told me so. Just do it. So I go and I buy one of those like super sport bikes. Not, Not like a easy, we're going to get used to it. I should have bought a moped. I should have had a Vespa. That's what I should have had. 
I should have had a powder blue Vespa. Or I didn't. I had a bright yellow bumblebee from the Transformers looking sport bike, and I was going to go fast, mama. Mama had to be praying. So we do it. We buy it. We get out on the parking lot. Now, y'all going to laugh at me, but you know the Lord's protecting me. We get out on the parking lot. The salesman now decides to ask, have you ever ridden a motorcycle before? You just let me buy this thing. Don't you think you should have asked that two hours ago? And I looked at him and serious heart attack said, never. Never. His response, as I am on the bike, key turned on, helmet on, his response was, it's just like driving your truck, a little bit of gas and let off the clutch. No problem. What could possibly go wrong? A lot. A lot could possibly go wrong. So I take that wonderful man's advice. Keep in mind, it seemed like the whole dealership was there. They're congratulating me on the purchase of my, my motorcycle. So the sales manager's there, and the salesman's there, and my wife is there, and I give it a little gas and let off the clutch, and up goes the front wheel. <laughs> now, I'm a smart individual. I didn't panic. I grabbed the brake. The problem is the front wheel's in the air. So the brake's not doing anything. I shot across the road. I mean, a major road on one wheel. I did a wheelie my first day ever. It was awesome. Evil Knievel's got nothing on me, right? I shoot across, hit a curb, and dump it in the grass. Now, thank goodness it was the grass. You know why it was the grass? Because I have a hedge of protection. I got a hedge, y'all. Come on, mamas, pray the hedge of protection over your kids, because one day they're going to buy a motorcycle. Now, you would think someone's going, what kind of church did we walk into? Welcome to Venture Church, y'all. We're real people, right? So you would think in that moment, Angela would walk over and first be like, baby, you all right? And they're like, we ain't buying this thing. She walks over and like, baby, you all right? What should we do? I was like, what? Give it another go? I don't know. So I call a buddy, long story short, he takes me to a parking lot who knew how to ride a motorcycle and taught me to ride. Seriously, this is how the story unfolds. 30 days later, I have now 30 days of experience of riding a motorcycle. I must know everything there is to know. Now it's time to put my wife on the back of the bike. <laughs> wow, wow, <laughs> wow, you guys. I feel the confidence boiling up in your pastor. <laughs> So 30 days later, Angela's on the bike. Second time she'd ever been on the bike. First was around the block, because I was cool. Second time, so we're going over a bridge in Cape Coral, Florida, and I hear it coming but don't see it. A drunk driver running 80 miles an hour changes lanes into us and rear-ends the bike. So hard it breaks the frame. Me and my 30 days of experience, though, you know what we didn't do? We didn't dump the bike. You know why? Because I got a hedge, y'all. I got a hedge of protection. See, sometimes you can't explain it, but God protects you. I, I still look back on that. I was right next to the little concrete barrier thing. I should have been swimming. I should have been fish food. Call me Jonah. We should have been gone over the edge. But somehow I look back like, how, how, how am I alive? Get this. It rear-ended us. It broke the frame of the bike. Angela's on the back. If you've ever been on a... 
a sport bike. There's another name for them, but you can't say it in church because it sounds inappropriate. But if you've ever been on, there's that much space between the back and the person sitting back there. You know what I'm saying? She's fine. She's fine. Why? Because God has the ability to protect us, and sometimes we don't notice it. Or, or maybe you're like my friend. I have a friend named Sean. He, he's clearly very close to God because of his name. Uh, and he spells it the same way as me, which means a lot, you know? So in se- on September 10th, my friend had a business meeting canceled. He goes to this church, by the way. Business being canceled on September 10th, so he didn't board a plane on September 11th, which he would have been on one of the planes in the September 11th tragedy. God's protection. God has the ability to protect us. Psalms 37, 39 says, the salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold. He is their protection in times of trouble. God has the power to save and protect us from harm. Here's the thing I've learned in life, and, and I want to come back to this in just a moment, but I, want, I, I, make, I make fun of my mom for a lot of things. One is that she could never really cook growing up. We've now as adults told her that, so she listens to this podcast. She'll hear me edify her again in that. But one thing I, I, I harass my mom for is that hedge of protection, but I want to tell you, parents, please, 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 pray over your kids. Pray over your kids. Pray protection over them. Pray them that they would, they would grow to know Christ in a real way. There's a serious power in a praying parent. Parents, get on your knees and pray for your kids. It's way more important than driving them to soccer practice. That's all I'm going to say. But here's the thing I've learned over life and through the years of reading the Scriptures is this. God has a plan before you have a problem. God has a plan before you have a problem. Think, think about it. Noah was building an ark before there was ever a drop of rain. God formed a big fish before Jonah was ever thrown overboard. And this is the one that that gets me. When God created the earth, he planted a tree in which Zacchaeus would climb so he could see Christ. So long before Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus, Jesus put a tree where he needed it to be so Zacchaeus could. So long before you had your current problem, God had a plan. Long before you had your current crisis, long before you had your world, your life's biggest problem, God had a plan before you had a problem. The problem is sometimes we see our plan, our problem, and we have a hard time seeing God's plan. God had the power, has the power, to shut the mouth of the lion for Daniel, to split the sea for Moses, to calm the storm, to walk through the fire. However... You may have to be willing to walk into the lion's den to experience it. You may have to face the Red Sea to see it. You may have to walk into the fire to see it. But know this, long before you have a problem, God has the plan. And I know a lot of us, we, we have a problem mentality. That when we get in the midst of the problem, it changes everything in life. And my goal for you is today that we can look at this and say, God has the power to protect us. But sometimes when we lack that, what we perceive as protection, we still have his, his plan. So here's the thing. Think about Paul for a moment. He encounters a girl who was predicting the future. He recognizes it's a demon and he casts it out. Then Paul is wrongly accused arrested and tried and beaten. And sometimes, let me tell you, 
the trial isn't fair. Sometimes the problem isn't justified. I talked to somebody close to me the other day, and and they used this word. We, he, I just don't deserve this. And, And sometimes that's how we evaluate the problem. Is it justifiable? You know, because here's the thing. Sometimes we look at people like, well, they earned that with their own stupidity. You ever say that about somebody? You ever say that about me? That's okay, right? You look at them going, they brought that on themselves. As if then the problem is more justifiable. But if the problem isn't justifiable, it's like, oh, that's terrible. And we, we evaluate it based upon how justified it is. But here Paul is wrongly accused, incorrectly tried, tortured and put in prison, Acts 16, 22 to 23. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Isn't that how it works? The crowd is a fickle thing. It's called Facebook now, by the way. That's what it is. Facebook is just the crowd. You see, we see something happen and we just jump in line with the crowd. God's given us a mind. We, we, should, we should think for ourselves and listen to his Holy Spirit more than we read on Facebook and form an opinion. But the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they had been severely flogged. Now keep in mind, this was all unjust. This was all unfair. If you have kids, they're like, life's not fair. It wasn't for Paul either. That's just over them having to clean their rooms and do the dishes. But this is a little bit bigger. Have been severely flogged. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. He was unjustly stripped and beaten. I think if we were in his shoes, we start asking, God, where's my hedge? Where's my hedge of protection? Right? Let's just be honest. In this moment, you're going, God, where's, where's my hedge? I was just arrested unjustly, tortured, and now I'm in prison. Where's my hedge? And Paul was exempt from this kind of punishment because he was a Roman citizen. So there's no way this should even happen, yet it does. Long before you have a problem, God has a plan. Long before Paul had this problem, God has a plan. And here, Paul has been stripped of his clothes and his dignity. And and maybe you've never been stripped of, of your clothes, but you've been stripped of your hope. You've been stripped of your joy. You've been stripped of your purpose. You've been stripped of your passion. What once woke you up every morning, now it's hard to get out of bed every morning mostly because of the back pains and the joint pain and all those kind of things. But what once woke you up in the morning, it's now hard to get up in the morning because you've been stripped of your joy, your passion. Let me tell you, if you wake up, God has a plan for you. When your eyes open up, God has a plan for that day, not tomorrow, that day. So today when you breathed in and God filled your breath, he did so with purpose because before you got your problems, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. So here Paul is sitting in jail, and I can imagine, can imagine this is how the story would go. Paul's disappointed with God. They were tight. He's sitting in there, and and if we were going to be honest, and let's just be honest for a couple minutes, if this was us, the story would probably go like this. Well, God, you didn't protect me. 
And he would vent his disappointment all over social media. Little, little Instagram post and Facebook. He would vent his disappointment. He would probably stop coming to church. He would back out of his small group because those people don't know what's going on. They don't understand, right? But you see, that's not what happened. When we read the story in Acts, that's not how it transpired because your outlook determines your outcome. Oh, we got to get this. Your outlook determines your outcome. You ever been around somebody that they just can't see how good life is? They just negative. It's like, open your eyes. It ain't that bad. We live in sunny South Carolina where everybody else comes to visit. All them Ohioans, Pennsylvanians, they come down to borrow our beaches for a few months. It ain't that bad. But it's muggy. Yeah. Go to the beach. It's breezy. Like, right? But, but you get around, people's like, oh, it's life so bad. Your outcome, your outlook determines your outcome. Set the atmosphere of the room you walk into. It's one of my core values in life. You don't respond to it. You don't adapt to it. You set it. Be joyful. See, look at what Paul does. I love this. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Because I think if we were to be really honest, this is not what we would do. But I think it changes our response to the problem. Acts 16, 25, and 26. About midnight. First of all, right there, you know I ain't up at midnight. Come on, somebody. Any, any early bedtime people with me, come on, 9 o'clock. You ready to go down for the count. You ready? Early to bed, early to rise. Melatonin and me make good lies, right? So Paul and Silas were praying. All the old people that take melatonin, come on, Jesus, right? Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Wait, at midnight? This next verse is important, and God was speaking to me about it this morning. But you got to realize, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Can I tell you, you're walking through a problem, and people with a problem are watching how you respond to your problem to see what God's going to do. The other prisoners were listening. This This is extra credit. Sometimes our greatest example of the gospel of Jesus is how we walk through problems that are unjust to begin with. And the world's wanting to know, hey, you're in prison, you're in a problem season just like me. What are you going to do? And you know what we do? Sometimes we get caught up in problem world and we shout it out on Facebook and this is what they say. See, it's no different over there. It's no different over there. I can see, I can see the, 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 the prisoners in the other cell going, hey, you hear that guy Paul that been talking about Jesus? He got arrested. He's in the cell next door. What do you think he's going to do? And it gets quiet for a minute. Oh, I bet he's angry. If his God's so powerful, why didn't he just pull him out? He's he got to be angry over there. Hey, guys, what's that? I'm trying to sleep. What's that noise? Sounds like somebody's singing. Sounds like somebody's singing some, some hymns. It sounds like they're getting excited over there. Tell them to calm down. What's Paul doing? And it builds, and it builds. And then suddenly, because I serve a God that can suddenly show up in your problem. I serve a God that can suddenly change your environment. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once. Got to get this. 
All the prison doors flew open. Maybe the miracle to your problem will be the pathway of somebody else's problem. All the doors were open. All the doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Maybe someone's freedom is found in your problem. This isn't even in my notes. But if you're willing to be present in your problem and praise through your problem, someone else will find freedom because of you. It's so powerful. Here they are in the midst of the problem. At midnight, late, melatonin didn't work that night, y'all. They stayed up late, probably drank coffee too late. That's what happens. Millennials, as you get older, you can't drink coffee past 7 o'clock anymore. People are like, what about decaf? There's no purpose, all right? There's no purpose. What about nitro? It doesn't come in decaf. That's why, because it's purposeful, right? So, so you're there about midnight. They stayed up, not complaining. Not worrying. Come on, some of us need to be challenged by this. I need to be challenged by this. We're up late worrying when we should be worshiping. We're up late worrying. Can't turn our mind off. I, listen, I've struggled most of my life with insomnia. This is as real as it gets. Ask my wife. I, I don't sleep well. Why? Because I like to be in control, and when I should be worshiping, I find myself worrying. Some of you in the same place, you can't shut it off. And when we should be worshiping, we find out we are worrying. Paul didn't wait. You got to hear this. Paul didn't wait until after the miracle he worshiped before. Paul didn't wait until the miracle was present for him to start praising. Read it again. He's sitting there bound, tortured, beaten. Where's the hedge? I, I'm, I'd be calling my mom, didn't you pray the hedge? Where's the hedge at? He's there. Him and his buddy, by the way, who you have in your circle determines your outlook, which determines your outcome. That's why you need to be in a small group. That's why you need to be in relationship with people that when you are in that moment and you got a problem, they're going to worship with you and not feed your worry. But sometimes we call the people that will feed our worry and not worship with us. You need to be in a small group. You need to lead a small group, right? Because we need to be present with people. So there they are together. Paul looks over at Silas. Silas, what do you think we should do? Well, I don't know. I, I got a lockpick. No, we can't do that, bro. That didn't happen, by the way. I know. Let's worship. That's what Chris would say. I'd be like, Chris, you don't even have a guitar, all right? We don't have no fantastic drummer. He'd be like, let's just sing. I cannot sing, Chris. I cannot. You sing and I'll hum. I'll hum along with you. Some of us are waiting for our miracle before we'll start worshiping. We're sitting there with our arms folded. When God, when God does this, I'm going to start worshiping then. And God's going... Don't worship based upon my miracle. Worship me because I am the I am, not because of what I can do, because of who I am. Don't let your worry steal your worship. And there they are. They worship before they saw the miracle. And you're saying, yeah, but you don't know my problems, and you're 100% right, and I want to be honest. I'm not making light of any problem you have in life. I will tell you this, while I don't know your problems, you don't know his plans. While I may not know the depth, the severity of your anxiety and your stress, I can tell you this, you don't know his plans either. 
So while you're looking at me going, you don't know my problems, I'm looking back saying, you're right. I'll cry with you, but I'll worship with you too because you don't know his plans. And this is what I know about his plans. God's plan is always bigger. God's plan is always bigger. So the jailer, you go back to the story. The jailer who was charged to keep, keep track of Paul and Silas. He have, you have one job, man. <laughs> one job. These two guys, don't let them get away. They're already behind bars. You have one job, and we made it really easy for you. After the earthquake, he comes running in. He sees the, the, the jails open. He's ready to literally kill himself because he didn't do his one job. But get this, Paul and Silas, they stayed. Sometimes you have to be willing to stay in your mess for somebody else's blessing. That's hard to hear. Sometimes you got to be willing to stay present in the pain because God's working through your pain to show someone else he's present in theirs. So he comes in and he's like, hey, I'm about to kill myself. And Paul's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're still here. Acts 16, 29 to 34, the jailer called for the lights. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas because they were still present. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. God's plan is always bigger. Before you have a problem, God has a plan. And sometimes we get so consumed with our problem, we forget that we serve a God that has the plan. And his plan is always bigger. You see... God's pl eternal plans don't always align with our temporary plans. You ever notice that? We got like a five-year plan. God's got an eternal plan. He's like, oh, that's cute. You have a five-year plan. That's neat. Not downplaying planning and goal setting because we should do that. We should achieve to reach our best for him, to give him glory. Not because we're that good, by the way. Not because we're that good. Because I want to give him my best. I will work towards being my best. And God sometimes looks at our temporary plan. He says, yeah, but I've got an eternal plan. But that plan may involve sitting in a jail cell unjustly so I can reach more people. The end of the night, the jailer that was charged to keep them captive winds up receiving the message of Jesus because God's plans are eternal. God knew... Paul's temporary stay in jail would lead to a jailer and his family having an eternal stay in heaven. The question is this. Do we lose sight? Do we lose sight of God's plan in the midst of our problem? I've been there. I think back on now that I'm a little older. And, you know, as you get older, it's like, oh, hindsight's 2020. Yeah, but in the midst of that, that doesn't mean anything. You ever, you ever go through something and someone throws those, oh, you'll look back on this. Listen, my youngest son, if you're raising small kids, here's a word of encouragement. My youngest son, the first four months of his life, he cried four hours straight every day. Y'all should pray for me. Man, he had caught. Those of you that knew me then, it was 
at one point, I didn't do this. Don't call the police. I put him in, I did put him in timeout. He was two weeks old. Angela comes out of the bedroom. It was midnight or 11 o'clock. He is laying on the other couch and I'm sitting across the living room having a stare down with a two week old. I, I pillowed him in so he couldn't fall. You're judging me like I'm a bad parent. You would have done the same thing. The kid cried. And then, then people that had older kids would be like, one day you'll look back and forget all this. And then, you lie! I won't look back. I may not make it out. Sometimes that's how we feel about a problem. I won't look back. I may not make it out. And then someone comes in and goes, oh, you're going to look back on this. And what they're really saying is, God's plan is bigger than your current problem. Lean into Him. Worship instead of worry. Praise Him in the midst of the problem because He is present. But see, His plan always starts with relationship. See, we, we get consumed with, with the list of rules. We get consumed with the must-dos and must-haves. And that's religion. But God's plan is centered around relationship because He's a relational God. I look through the Bible and everywhere I see relational terms. So his plan starts and, and, and finishes around relationships. And the problem is this. We try to work our way out of our problem rather than doing what our kids do. See, my, I work from home. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, Venture's a portable church. This is our church on Sundays. So my office is either my kitchen table or my spare bedroom. When you work from home and your kids have what they call summer break, you have summer headache. You know why? Because no matter how big or small the problem is, daddy's home, he can take care of it. They don't try to work it out. They walk. They walk it out right to daddy's office. And sometimes we need to be a little bit more like that. We up there trying to work our problems out. And God says, it's summer break. I'm home. Let's go. I'm right here. I am God the Father. I love you. I have relationship with you. This is what it's always been about. Why you have a problem, I've got the plan. I've got the plan. So just come up and ask me. It's like my son, my oldest, is starting to realize the things we will and won't say yes to. Right? Then they try to ask Sly. He's like, hey, Dad, there's some stuff in the fridge. It says, uh, it says Jello on it. We ain't got no Jello in the house. We got Jello brand pudding. I know what the boy's asking for. He's like, it says Jello on the box. I'm like, do you know what it is, son? Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's pudding. You knew it was pudding from the moment you started asking me. Sometimes because we're afraid of God's response, we don't come to him boldly like we should. I said, son, just ask me for what you want. Be clear. Dad, can I have pudding? When you stop pouting, because I'm a daddy, you know? <laughs> Sometimes in our problems, we're too busy working it out rather than walking to him. And we get consumed. We wind up overwhelmed, anxious, and stressed out. But I'm telling you, there's still a hedge of protection. It's just found at the feet of Jesus. And it's relational, not religion. Do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes. You're here in this room, and, and whether you're in the midst of a problem, you've come out of a season of problems. This is what I want to tell you.
no matter how big your problem is, no matter serious it is, the only way you can walk it out is a genuine relationship with Jesus. I didn't say religion. I didn't say come to church. I said relationship. It is the foundation of his plan is to have a relationship with you and me. And if you're in this room right now, I give you my word, I will not embarrass you. But you're here, maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you walked in because you heard something, because you needed something. But right here in this moment, you don't have a relationship with God. I wanna give you that opportunity. He's already done all the work. All we have to do is say yes. I just wanna pray with you. So if that's you, do me a favor. Raise your hand real high so I can see it and pray with you. Say, man, I need that relationship with God. Thank you. I need that relationship with God. Thank you. Anybody else? I don't want to miss you. I'm just going to pray with you. Raise your hand and look at me. That's it. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm going to ask all my friends today to pray this with me. Repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for having a plan before I had a problem. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for pursuing me. Today, I accept you. I make you Lord. In your name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed today's message, take a second and share it with your friends. Here at Venture, we believe in the power of being connected with a local church body. So whether that's with us at Venture or another local church near you, we encourage you to get plugged in. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening to the Venture Church Podcast.